This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Ambody. With me is Sonny Ship. With a little bit over a week away from LSU's season starting up, Mississippi State in Tiger Stadium at 2.30 Central Time on CBS on Saturday, September 26th. We want to go ahead and get our predictions for the season out there because next week we'll be in game preview mode. We'll kind of be in that season routine. But I wanted Sonny to come in because he just dropped his season-long predictions on Go 24-7 and to share them with us, discuss, debate, where might LSU falter if they do and where the wins are going to come from for the Tigers in 2020. So, Sonny, uh, let's just jump right in. LSU opens a season against Mississippi State. No preseason game for this one. It's right into the Mike Leach era for the Bulldogs. And Ed Ogeron said they've been studying up as many different defenses and offenses that they've been able to kind of come up with through their their research from what Leach is going to bring to the table. But let's be real. I think this one is going to be a struggle for the Bulldogs. They're, they're breaking in a new coaching staff. And it might just be too much LSU in this one. Yeah, well, Bill, it's uh, you know, like I've mentioned in the uh, in my prediction piece, sure am glad that LSU is getting Mike Mike Leach and the uh, and the Mississippi State Bulldogs early in the season before they have a chance to really start gelling on offense for KJ Costello to get more comfortable with his wide receivers. Also, uh, Mississippi State looks like they'll probably be with one out one of their starting wide receivers who got a DUI a couple of weeks ago. And so you, you toss that in there. You've only got four starters back on defense. Mike Leach is uh, four of his eight defenses at Washington State. Yes, we're talking about the Pac-12. And we know how many points and how bad of defense they play in the Pac-12. But four of his eight defenses gave up 31 or more points a game uh, for the season. So I just think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be tough for Mississippi State to really be able to uh, exploit the LSU defense. Like I think they'll be able to do to, to other defenses later on in the season. I think LSU's got way too much speed on defense to uh, to to give up too many big plays. And oh by the way, the LSU offense is chomping at the bit. To uh, to show that lat what that the off that the production they put up last season was not an novel was not something that they couldn't replicate. It wasn't just a one hit wonder. And uh, I think LSU is going to come out, and I think they're going to win big against the Bulldogs. Yeah, and one thing I think for for everyone to take note of is college football has been just impacted in so many different ways, right? I mean, you've got guys being out for contact tracing. Conditioning levels are going to be pretty awful, quite frankly. I think that's one of the big takeaways. So I'll say this. I think LSU is going to have a really good season. I would take a little bit of pause in terms of everyone's expectations for what game one could look like. Uh, I still love LSU in this matchup. I think uh, I haven't seen an early line on the the game uh, between LSU and Mississippi State. 
but I do think LSU gets the win. I think it's something more of the 35-17 type of variety. I'm with you, Sonny. I think too much, uh, too much talent offensively for LSU. And then if they're going to be without Malik Heath, potentially, you know, one of their starting wide receivers, they could, you know, really struggle to throw the football with Derek Stingley and a lot of the corners in the secondary LSU is going to have. If they get a pass rush on KJ Costello, uh, who transferred in from Stanford, I, I, I see them struggling to, to move the football. I think that 17 could come from a late score, maybe when LSU has been up big uh, throughout the game. But I like the Tigers as well in uh, the season opener against Mississippi State. And I like them even more when they go on the road the next week uh, to play Vanderbilt uh, in Nashville. Last year was a was a pretty impressive win for LSU. Uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and all of those guys got really going in that one. And I don't think this one's going to be any different. No, I, I'm with you. You know, the good news is Vandy's got 10 starters back from last year. The bad news is they finished 13th in the league in scoring, run defense, and total defense. So I don't know if you'd rather have some new blood come in or if you're glad that you have those guys back. But, you know, LSU gave up 38 last year uh, in Nashville. That was the second most points they gave up on the season. It's not going to happen this year. I think they're going to roll over Vandy big. The LSU offense comes out and puts up uh, puts up a lot of points. Now the next one against Missouri, I kind of uh, I kind of look at this one to where LSU is looking ahead to Florida. Uh, this one I think that LSU is going to win, um, but I all but I do think that this is a game that they could kind of sleepwalk their way through. You know, not look as as good as they did against Mississippi State, not look as good as they did against Vanderbilt because they know what's coming that next week against Florida. And, uh, you know, so – and I'm pretty sure that you think they're, they're going to beat up on Missouri too, setting the stage for that week four showdown in a, uh, in a much less hostile swamp. Yes, uh, I agree with you on Missouri. And I, and I think one thing too – I mean, I mentioned conditioning earlier, but this team is, is probably going to take just a minute for the leadership to take over, and that's kind of – one of the things where I agree with you, they could sleepwalk their way against Missouri. And it's, you know, even more important that Ed Ogeron says, Hey guys, listen up. I mean, you can, you can lose any week of this season, probably outside of Vanderbilt, quite honestly, uh, in the sec. I mean, it, it happens and it's too good of a league. So tighten up, lock in focus and understand that if you don't get that win against Missouri, gosh, it really takes the sails out of this ship heading into the swamp which, yeah, LSU is going to benefit from, you know, not having, you know, uh, 90,000 or whatever it is in the swamp. Uh, and, and that's a big benefit. And I think there's a ton of preseason buzz against Florida. I just think this is one of those situations where you've – they just need to, like, prove it, I guess. I mean, Florida gave LSU a, a tough battle last year. Uh, but, you know, it was too much Joe Burrow and, and the offense – for that game but I, I just at the end of the day I think with the offense LSU is bringing in and not necessarily a hostile environment to go into I think they're going to come away with a win uh, in that one as well and I, I think it's going to be I think that one has a chance to go a little bit more uh, a little bit higher than you have it going at 23-21 LSU I think that's more of a 35-31 type of maybe barn burner uh, last year, like we saw in Tiger Stadium, yeah, I, I see it a little bit more of a defensive battle. Uh, you know, and, and 
Miles Brennan's first big road test on a day game in the swamp. But uh, yeah, normally that would just be like, you know, that would that would throw up a lot of red flags for me. But uh, not as much during these COVID times. Uh, you know, not having the crowd at the swamp, I think will I think will benefit LSU. And something that I'm anxious to see is that Dave Aranda didn't uh, didn't have the best of uh, the best of uh, the best of times against Dan Mullen. You know, Dan Mullen's one of the best game day play caller I think in the country as an offensive mind. I'm anxious to see how Bo Pelini, with the attacking aggressive style of defense, I'm anxious to see how that matches up against Florida. And and that's why I, when I look at this, you know, I just uh, I just kept going back to a uh, to a defensive battle. Kept going back to a game to where, uh, you know, a, a, a late field goal, a field goal miss here or there. And, uh, you know, if we would have been – if we would be looking at normal times, a sold-out swamp, this is Brennan's first game. I was leaning back during the summer before we got word of, uh, you know, how the season was going to look from a scheduling perspective. I was thinking that this would be a game that LSU would drop. Uh, because of the crowd noise, because of Miles making that first start on the road in that situation. But in in this situation that we're in right here, I think LSU wins a defensive battle, setting up uh, you know setting up that Week Five matchup against South Carolina at home against a Will Muschamp coach team that very what very easily could be one in three if they start off with losses to Tennessee, Florida, and Auburn with their long victory against Vanderbilt. If that happens, Will Muschamp's going to take a beating in the local press. And, uh, you know, forget to talk about, the, oh, this is not a normal season. This is not normal circumstances. Well, guess what? In four years where it was normal, he was 26 and 25. That's hardly anything to beat your chest over. So I think if LSU comes in, I've got them 37-17. And I think if they, if they do beat them in that capacity, and all of a sudden Muschamp is one and four, I think that could be a nail driven in his coffin that I don't know if he'll make it out of at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think with coaching carousel type of things that could go on, it'll be really interesting to see how they handle it going forward because I mean, it is unique, but one in four, like you said, could potentially be where they walk in uh, to Tiger stadium ad. And it looks, there's not much confidence in Will Muschamp to get the job done at South Carolina. I don't think you'll see an in-season change. I think LSU would, like you said, be a potential nail in the coffin for him uh, at one and four. And then you see kind of where they go from there uh, on the rest of their schedule. But I just think, again, the way teams are traveling this year and having to do X, Y, and Z going on the road is a, like, it's a challenge when you have to go and go into a hotel and socially distance and maybe do Zoom meetings, uh, you know, instead of a team meeting so that you're not all bunched up together. I mean, it's weird. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how teams handle it on the road. It's a challenge uh, across the board for everybody. And I I just don't see South Carolina being able to overcome that challenge, which leads us to a Halloween night on the plains. And gosh, you you have this one going 23-21 LSU. But this is a this is a game that is historically always something weird happens or it is so close. Uh, like last year in Tiger Stadium, twenty three twenty LSU. I I just I'm really interested to see. This is probably obviously outside of Alabama, but this is the game that I kind of 
am most worried about. And it's not about giving Bo Nix credit. It's, it's more about Gus Malzahn always finds a way to have his teams ready to go and in the mix, even when we saw last year when Bo Nix really was horrible against LSU for the most part. Yeah, and I'm with you on the name game. And with 2020, with everything we've already seen, you know, something is going to affect this outcome of this game outside the lines. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it will be. But, I mean, let's go back and let's look at this series. We had we had an earthquake. We had uh, Jordan Hare catching fire in the middle of a game. You had the desperation pass to Demetrius Bird with when they should have kicked a field goal. Uh, there's just been so many crazy things that have happened that have happened in this series, and uh, you know I think that this year, the with everything we've already seen in 2020, I mean, how can you not think that this is going to be another name game, another one in the long lineage in this history? And this is one that I kind of struggled with initially. Initially, when I when I wrote when I wrote my first draft. I, uh, you know, and even last night when I was thinking about this game, about the, this piece that I was writing, I struggled kind of going back and forth, going back and forth on it. And doing this, not knowing what rosters are going to look like, not knowing who's going to test positive for COVID, um, you know, all of the different scenarios that could happen. You really, all I did, all I tried to do with this piece is look at roster for roster, talent for talent, coaching staff versus coaching staff. There really is no home field advantage. And that is one of the biggest things that, you know, I think that benefit, you know, that the crowd is going to benefit the home team. So when you take that out of the equation, I'm just going tit for tat here now. And, uh, you know, and that's why initially I was thinking Auburn, I was looking at an eight and two season. And then when I just kept thinking about it, I just didn't feel comfortable with it. You know, and now that I look, uh, I see that I predicted the same score as the Florida game. And, um, you know, and, and I just kind of see it going along the same lines to where something crazy is going to happen. It's going to be a missed point. It's extra point. It's going to be something on a field goal. But it's going to be a close game, kind of like we saw last year. And uh, and I just think that – I think that LSU – if LSU is 5-0 and going into this one during the day uh, on the plains, I think that they everything will be set up for them to go into that open week undefeated setting up that big matchup against Bama. And and this is the point of the season predictions like last year when we were I think we were all pretty in agreement like undefeated or 11 and 1 or I think everyone I think all of us had 11 and 1 last year. Could be wrong yes. on that. But it they've LSU under Ed Ogeron has shown that when their backs are now against the wall ever since the Troy game pretty much ever since the Troy game that when their backs are up against the wall, they can figure it out. And that's just the culture that this program has kind of come away with. Now it has not been a perfect off season by any means, but the talent is still there. And like you said, if it is, you know, tit for tat, not trying to predict the future on who could test positive for COVID at the right time or wrong time. This is one that I feel like LSU can get away with and win. Now the next week, or excuse me, the next game against Alabama, I'm not as positive on it. But I don't necessarily think it's a game where LSU reverts back to its old ways. I, I just think the Tide have a little bit too much in that one, and, and you and I are in agreement on that one. 
And while, and this is where it flips around, right? You know, LSU goes into Auburn and, you know, gets a win, at least in our predictions. This year, with without a home field advantage, supposedly, or at this point, you know, late no, mid November, I just I I'm I'm with you. I think Alabama is just going to be a little too much uh, for LSU. And again, we'll, like especially with if LSU would have Jamar Chase, I'd feel a lot better about LSU in this game. I'd probably pick them to win. But I'm with you. I think I think this one's going to be uh, headed uh, back to, to Tuscaloosa. Yeah. And, and, and this is one. This is one back during the summer, during the early part of the summer, when we thought that you know, we were all hoping, thinking that we may get a normal season. This is one that I actually had LSU winning. I had LSU losing at Florida, but I had LSU beating Alabama here because of what you said, because of having that home field advantage, because of uh, because of of riding that high from last year of winning in Tuscaloosa, just the self-confidence that the program has right now. And obviously with the hatred that, that the two schools have for one another, I saw, I saw LSU being able to uh, being able to come out on top, but just like, uh, just like I did with Florida where I took the home field advantage away, had to do the same thing. Like you mentioned here, I think this is going to be a low scoring affair. And, uh, and I think Bama, I think Bama ekes this one out. I went with a 1916 score, but here's one of the interesting things is that, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but when I look at, you know, I looked at other teams' schedules and who they played leading up to, uh, leading up to when they played LSU. And the, the one that a lot of folks have circled is that week four matchup when Georgia goes to, uh, travels to Tuscaloosa. Obviously, not having an experienced quarterback uh, like Georgia would have had from the, Wake, uh, from the Wake Forest transfer from last year. That's going to uh, – I think that's going to limit the offense a little bit. But I just kind of get the feeling that Kirby, Kirby Smart is due for, uh, for that big game win. And no one knows Nick Saban's offenses, defenses better than Kirby Smart. And uh, with all of the, with all of the, the pageantry surrounding a uh, – and not necessarily pageantry because there won't be much of a crowd, but with all of the hoopla of Georgia – going to play going to play Alabama kind of like you saw when Georgia went and played at LSU in 2018 it's not a series that happens a lot not a game that happens a lot I just kind of circled that one and said okay this is a game that uh you know this is a game that I think Georgia can win if a lot of things go their way and so that's why going into this one it it was kind of uh it was kind of weird to see you know I had an undefeated LSU and a one-loss Alabama with both of them fighting for SEC survival and I think with with Georgia's quarterback situation, you know, potentially that could be different by then. You know, JT Daniels maybe potentially healthy to play against Alabama and all of that. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I don't know if I'd pick the Bulldogs to you know, beat Alabama. I could see it happening in the regular. The thing I could see happening in the regular season is is Bama losing to Georgia in the regular season, and then facing them again in the SEC championship game, and then getting that one back because um, that just seems like how it would probably go but uh i'm not i'm not uh gonna pick uh you know alabama even at uh you know without a home field advantage um over over the bulldogs just yet i want to see them really you know prove it i think that's one thing we talk about a lot is is georgia you know they might be due but they need to prove it uh and it's the same with me uh when we look ahead to texas a&m but first arkansas on the road no home field advantage, it would appear, for that one either. Um, but uh, LSU rolls big in this one. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, if LSU loses to Bama, 
like I uh, like I tabbed them to, then I think they come into this one and they're angry. You know, instead of folding like uh, you know, like some LSU teams have done in the past after they get that after they suffer that loss to Alabama, Ed Ed Orgeron has this has molded this program into one to where they're just going to flip the flip the page. They're going to go and they're going to go back and they're going to take take care of business against Arkansas, and that's going to present a, a a very interesting matchup. You know, Texas A and M players. Coaches, fans—they've had this game circled since uh, since that fifty to seven beatdown last year uh, ended in Baton Rouge. And of course, the Aggie faithful think that this is the year where Jimbo Fisher leads them back to prominence. But uh, you know, just like with Florida, we both feel the same way about Florida. To where we're we're not really buying what the national media is selling and hyping up on the Gators. Man, I'm the same way about Texas A and M. I'm just. I'm not uh, I'm not confident in in Kellen Mond uh, being able to go out there and get the job done. You know, in, in seasons where there 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 are no outside uh, you know no outside influences like we see this year with COVID and with everything else going on. You know, Kellen Mond has kind of I don't want to say been a head case, but he hasn't exactly been the the most headstrong uh, you know quarterback on the field. So I wonder how he's going to I wonder how he's going to handle this type of season, especially if the Aggies lose a couple of games early on. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're looking at their typical, uh, you know, eight and four season, seven and five season. What's that do to Jimbo Fisher? What kind of pressure does that put on him? And, um, you know, I, I think LSU, if LSU goes into this game, they've only got one loss, even if it's two. I think that the uh, the level of uh, of hatred that these two programs have for one another right now, uh, you know, I just, I think that both teams will be up for it. But I just uh, I like LSU in this one, and you know, I went with LSU thirty seven twenty seven. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this game is going to be real close. Uh, I think potentially, I mean, even when it comes down to it, even even closer than an Auburn or in Florida game, maybe. Um, but I think that's just because this game is now going to be at that mo- like that critical moment for Jimbo Fisher, where, like you said, he can win this game, and then you know there may be off his back for a little bit. But at the end of the day, Kellen Mond has not shown me that he can put a team on his back and win a game, and that's what he's going to have to do. And you know, Jamon Osborne. Osborne is is out already for for A and M. They're he's uh, their top receiver. Uh, that that culture down there has been a little iffy, just to say the least. Uh, and and look, they they needed uh, you know LSU kind of shooting themselves in the foot and and tons of help to to get that win a couple of years ago in College Station. And then the it kind of returned uh, to the mean, I think, which is LSU winning big. But for me, I think this is just such a critical game that it's going to be a close one. Uh, I think. 34-31 LSU is, is probably what I'm thinking right about now. Um, and, and I'm not even so sure, you know, you could see something like a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown from the Aggies maybe somehow uh, that 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 keeps them in it and keeps it close. But I, I'm not sold on Jimbo Fisher in College Station. And uh, I, I think this game continues to be this, – this series continues to be really LSU's since their uh, arrival in the SEC – which would lead LSU to a final game in Tiger Stadium. LSU Ole Miss, obviously this is a pretty you know storied uh, football game in LSU and Ole Miss's history, uh, but you have them winning relatively comfortable, c- comfortably uh, after uh, kind of a wild game in Oxford last year. 
Yeah, it was it was a wild game. Ole Miss ran for over 400 yards. John Rice Plumley, the true freshman quarterback, really uh, really lit lit the LSU defense up, and it's really a good thing that that happened because after that game, you saw LSU's defense really turn the corner. You saw Dave Aranda, you saw Ed Orgeron kind of come together make some changes, do some things differently. And from that point on, the LSU defense really uh, really played well the rest of the way. But, you know, the interesting thing about this one is – and I don't, I, don't, I don't recall this happening. Um, you know, it may have happened in the, in the distant past. But Ole Miss and Mississippi State will actually play in the Egg Bowl the week before in Week 10. So you're going to have an Ole Miss team that played its biggest game of the year the week before this road trip. So Ole Miss is either going to be flying sky high from beating State or they're going to be down in the dumps from losing to State. And I just think that that's going to be a tough game for them to get up for. Um, you know, I don't think that – I don't – think that they're going to have a uh, you know have a ton to play for um i mean maybe a 500 record but i think that that's probably going to be tough for them to get to um you know unless they really just take to lane kiffin's new offense and, and uh yeah i think this is a game that lsu just goes out they just take care of business in and from that point on you know it's going to be interesting to see i mean let's say okay let's say lsu finishes uh you know lsu finishes nine and one if Georgia, you know, if Georgia beats Alabama and then all eyes would be on that Auburn, uh, that Auburn and Alabama game, because, you know, all of a sudden if Auburn goes in and if Auburn can pull an upset, like they've been, you know, been able to do in the past against Alabama, then all of a sudden a nine and one LSU team could, could find itself in the SEC championship game. So, so many scenarios to consider. And that's why when writing this, this was probably the, uh, this was probably the hardest prediction piece ever to write just because of so many unknowns, not knowing, you know, not knowing the ifs, the ands, the buts, what could happen and stuff. But, uh, man, I'm just glad that we finally, you know, we finally have some SEC football coming our way in about a week. Yeah, it'll be here before we know it. I'm with you. I think LSU can take care of business against Ole Miss, and then we'll see what, what wildness, if, if there is some, uh, that, that the Alabama-Auburn game can bring uh, for LSU and Ed Ogeron. Uh, those are our season predictions at this point. Nine and one, both of us. Uh, I'm not even going to take a stab at predicting if, S, uh, if uh, the SEC championship game is, is going to have LSU in it. I think this season is going to be plenty <laughs> weird, but we'll, uh, we'll have the regular season uh, predictions in, which we, we just shared with you guys. Up next, though, we want to take a look at a couple of newsy items from the week on the LSU front. A couple of defensive linemen to note on the backside of this break from the Go 24-7 podcast. And we'll also look ahead to tonight's uh, Thursday night matchup between Cincinnati and Cleveland. So we'll be right back uh, with more from the Go 24-7 podcast after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Look. LSU, the defensive line has been through the ringer, I think, uh, in terms of guys in, guys out, transfers this, transfers that. But Sonny, they get Nelson Jenkins to stay with the program, unclear just yet if he'll be back in in for 2020. But then they get Neil Farrell back this week, who opted back into the 2020 season. We're still waiting to see on Tyler Shelvin. And then also Ed Ogeron just talked up Joe Evans uh, in a big way this week after he moved back to defensive line after you know spending some time on the offensive line. This defensive line is the biggest mystery on this t- football team, in my opinion. You've got freshmen that could step up like Jaqueline Roy and Jacoby and Guillory. You've got returners like Apu Aika. You've got Neil Farrell now. What's he going to look like? Try to make sense out of what is going on uh, on the LSU defensive line. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, when you look at – when you look at the interior of that line, I think LSU is probably as deep as it has been in uh, in in several several years. You know, you look at Apu Ika, Glenn Logan. Now all of a sudden you get Neil Farrell back, and let's say he's in game. You know, he he's ready to go 35, 40 snaps by the time Florida rolls around in week four. You have Joe Evans, who Ed Orgeron has talked up uh, a ton throughout fall camp, throughout the summer. You have two true freshmen who are both ready to play, Jacoby and Guillory, Jaqueline Roy. And you've got some guys after that. So, I mean, you could really look at you could really look at it and you could say, okay, LSU could go four deep. And it's been a while since you've been able to say that. But once you get to that edge, then that's where the questions come in. You know, Andre Anthony, Trevez Moore, the two guys slated to start at defensive end right now. They've got two sacks, uh, two career sacks between them. Uh, So that's not a lot of production to look at. And, uh, you know, I'm really interested to see who becomes that dynamic threat off the edge. Um, you know, I think true freshman B.J. Ojolari, for me, he's a guy that uh, that I've got circled there. Um, and, and I think that that's the area, and it's pretty obvious when you look at LSU's 2021 commitment class and all the defensive events that they have. You know that's the area that they really need to uh, that they really need to uh, needed to address in this class to be able to uh, you know to take that defensive line and not say okay this is a strength but this is a question but this is a, a, an area that we have to address you address it with this 2021 class I think your defensive line is going to be really really set yeah and for this season I mean you you can see I think any of these guys emerge as well as reliable players for LSU. Jaqueline Roy, Jacoby and Guillory. You mentioned B.J. Ojolari. There's a lot of new faces. There's a lot of returning faces. Do you have somebody that you feel who are your who are your top four that you feel really good about on this defensive line right now? Uh, you know, right now with Neil Farrell not uh, not really in uh, I guess like a, you know in, in game shape. I'd say uh, you know inside Logan. And Ika, just because I saw a little bit of him last year, but 
with an asterisk by, by that because Ed Orgeron has seen a lot of Joseph Evans. And so you, you, you know, you, you always wonder sometimes in the past, there have been guys that less miles that other coaches will just talk up in fall camp. The season rolls around and, you know, where are they? You know, I mean, Hey, you know, look at Shady and Jarrell Cherry. Got to toss that one out there. Right. But, um, you know, so inside, I, I, I think that, you know, I, I think that, you know, I feel comfortable about a lot of guys inside on the edge. Andre Anthony, I do think that he's better suited to play in the four three, um, like he's going to play in under Bo Pelini. So I, I've I've probably got a little more confidence in Andre Anthony than than a lot of uh, a lot of folks do, just because of his lack of production in his uh, in the two seasons that he did play under Dave Aranda. And then on that other side, you know, I mean, you can really lump them all in there. But if I had to pick one that come Florida that I want on the field on a, uh, you know, on a, on first and 10 with LSU up by six and Florida has the ball with 3.30 left, I'd probably say B.J. Ogilari. And just because of the potential, not necessarily what he's done, but I look at Travez Moore, you know, what has he done? You know, so at, at, at looking at it through those classes, I would probably want to go with the guy who I think has the higher ceiling in Ogilari. Yeah, I'm with you on B.J. Ogilari, especially – I think with him, I mean, his talent level just has a really good chance to take over. I'll say that you really wish LSU had a couple of non-conference like, you know, UTSA, Rice on the schedule so he could really get his feet wet before being thrown into the fire. It's, I was talking with uh, another uh, coach over at another school and uh, they were saying, look, and this is nationally, we were just shooting the breeze said it's really hard to play in the SEC as a true freshman it, it's tough to do and but the way Ed Ogeron has talked up BJ Ojolari I I feel pretty good about him having a shot to make an impact not only on third downs but he's physically ready he could potentially come in and overtake one of the veterans uh, by the end of the year as a starter I think we kind of saw that with Neil Farrell at some points last year where he was really coming off the bench technically not starting, but he was really putting together some impressive games. Uh, I think uh, your, your, your four is really strong. Uh, and this is just going to be a weird year where they need to rotate guys as much as possible. The conditioning is going to be an issue. And I think the depth, even though they took some key losses so far, uh, is going to be enough to, for, for where this defensive line has a chance to surprise some people. Uh, but uh, looking kind of to the NFL side of things now, I wanted to take a moment and just say, Look, this is going to be kind of cool. Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, uh, getting a chance on Thursday night to showcase uh, what they've got going on right now. The Browns are coming off a horrible game against the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Burrow and the Bengals losing a heartbreaker. But this is always one of those moments where you look at, you know, number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy winners getting together and playing against each other. This should be fun, and especially with all the other LSU flavor in this game. Yeah, yeah. Is Jacob Phillips is he going to is he going to be back for this one? I know he hurt his leg in the opener. Is he is he supposed to play tonight? I'm not sure. I will uh, while while you kind of continue to chat. I'll uh, check that out uh, and see if there was any update on him. Check um, on Greedy Williams too because he was inactive last week too. Yeah, yeah. We know Delpit is. We know Delpit's not Delpit, going to play. Delpit's out. Unfortunately, uh, that was that was a horrible injury to hear about him. But you've got OBJ. You've got uh, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, 
there's there's certainly enough LSU flavor in this one outside of that. But right now, Jacob Phillips, Greedy Williams, looking like they are going to be out uh, for this game just on the early uh, Twitter and Google search um, leading up to this game. So not great news uh, for um, for those guys as of now. Um, I could be could be wrong. Still plenty to keep you watching though. You're not gonna want you're not gonna want to flip when one team has the ball and uh, you know and the other one's got the other unit on the side of the, the side of the field because like you said, you got OBJ, you got Jarvis. Of course, you have Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, still looking for that first passing touchdown. Do you think he gets it tonight? What's your uh, what you, what you think? The over or under on he gets it or not? I I think he definitely gets it, and I actually got the Bengals uh, covering in this one. If if there's any betters out there, and I and I like the points. I like them to go over on the points. I think both teams are uh, uh, got a chance to really maybe show out a little bit tonight offensively. I don't think you know it's going to be pretty at times, but I do think they go over on the points. And Joe Burrow gets that first passing touchdown, which would be really fun to see. I think for him and to finally have that, he kind of got a taste with that touchdown run last week, but. Uh, one one player that uh, is is done with the NFL, done catching touchdown passes, Russell Shepard. And I want to give him a shout out because I was still relatively uh, young at this point watching him come up as a high school recruit. Uh, and he was just a ton of fun to watch. But Sonny, you covered him. You followed his recruitment. What do you have to share from from your time covering Russell Shepard as, as he hangs it up from the NFL now? Well, first thing I remember is that I I consider myself relatively young too when Russell Shepard was uh was coming up. I think I was only thirty four or thirty five at the time. So shout out to that. But uh, I tell you what, man, there Shay and I have talked about this before, and you have those recruits that you love to cover just because they you know they always respond to you. They always would pick up the phone. They um you know, just, they give you the interviews. Sometimes they even call you to give you information and stuff, you know, and Russell Shepard was one of those guys. Russell Shepard was one of the first guys who really took the lead in recruiting a class and just would just, he, he was as effective as the coaches were at recruiting other recruits. He was so, um, you know, such a, such a down-to-earth, fun-loving kid, um, and just really was just, uh, you know, he was he was instrumental to helping LSU pull in several recruits during his signing class. You know, on the field, you hate that he never really found a, uh, found a position, but when you go back and when you look at his production at LSU, and, you know, it never matched. It never even came remotely close to matching his recruiting ranking coming out of high school. But when you look at his production at LSU, if someone would have put a gun to your head and said, is Russell Shepard going to play in the NFL? You probably would have said no. And shame on you because he went on and I think he played, what was it, six or seven years? Maybe eight. And he never had these big years in the NFL to where he just caught a ton of passes or anything. But when you spend that much time on an NFL roster, you've accomplished quite a bit, not to mention the money that you've made. So uh, I'm just I'm, – I'm happy for the guy. One of the – he is still to this day probably my – in my top three of all-time favorite recruits to cover. Yeah, I feel like uh... – I'll I'll have Jamar Chase and I'll be sitting here 20 years from now. Jamar Chase and Derek Stingley, 
Eric Gilbert, but mainly those first two as the ones that I'll look back and say like, wow, that was cool covering them. You know, I would still say as the career first got going and it sounds like Russell Shepard, who are the other couple guys for you that like, when you look back early in your career that were pretty, pretty awesome to, to be able to cover. Uh, Michael Ford was one out of, uh, out of Leesville. He was just a, uh, you know, he, he was another one. He had that, you know, he had the production, just the, the monster production. Then of course he got hurt. Uh, you know, he got hurt, but I had such a good relationship with his, uh, with his head coach at Leesville, who's now with the uh, LHSCA shout out to Terrence Williams. Uh, Chris Davenport was another one. Uh, you know, he, he was another one, man. And the thing I'll remember about him is when Chris Davenport's, uh, mentor, when he called to, uh, say, Hey, you know, Chris would like to go to a camp that you, that you want to go to. <laughs> so funny man my wife answered the phone at the time and uh and his mentor says honey can i talk to your dad (laughs) (laughs) that's a story that my wife and i always laugh about and to this day we have maintained a a a good relate you know a a relationship with uh with his mentor and stuff and we laugh about it anytime we get together and stuff so but chris davenport was definitely you know another one of those guys very good. Well, trip down memory lane over with. We looked ahead. We looked at the present. And uh, now we got the trip down memory lane uh, checked off the list for today's podcast. Sonny, uh, enjoy the game tonight. We've got one more weekend off until LSU football is back. And uh, we'll be ready for it. We'll be, we'll be locked in on Go 24-7. Yes, sir, man. And uh, you have a good, safe weekend, buddy. And uh, enjoy, this la- enjoy this last one because after this, it really ramps up. Yep, the grind begins of another LSU season just over a week away. We will have it all for you covered on Go247.com. A quick reminder to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Go247 podcast. We'll be here multiple times a week now that the season is here, and we're looking forward to having our listeners submit some questions for us. We're going to try to do some mailbag episodes uh, as the season gets underway. So with that, thanks for listening to this edition of the podcast, and we'll catch you next time.